This is F&I Talk Outside the Box with EFG Companies. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Motorist Assistance Plan, also called MAP. You'll learn more about how you can equip every customer with this valuable protection later in this episode. Hi, and welcome to F&I Talk Outside the Box. I'm your host, Victor de Blasi with EFG Companies, and today I'm having a conversation with a powerhouse team. Our Executive Vice President of Training and Inside Sales, Glennis Wilder. Well, I've been in the industry for 35 plus years. The last 18 years, I've been blessed to be with EFG Companies, and the last 10 years of that, specifically in power sports, and now the opportunity to get back to training, so I'm super excited. The Executive Vice President of Dealer Services at EFG, Scott Kaskasak. I started my career right out of college in the automotive technology space and been in it ever since, uh, about 30 years. So I drive the dealer services team here at EFG. Nationwide, we drive people, process, and profits for our clients and prospects. And our Senior Vice President of Agency Services and Power Sports, Adam Auert. I'm the Senior Vice President of EFG Company's Agency Services and Power Sport Services. I started in the car business in 1995. I've been an employee at EFG working on 19 years now, and I'm excited to be here this morning and have an opportunity to talk to you about uh, what's happening in our industry. Welcome, team. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Today, we'll be discussing the current sales mindset, how we got here, and what dealers need to do going forward. To sort of start it off a little bit, it seems like order takers is sort of the mentality. And how did we get here? You know, Victor, if you don't mind, I'll leave that off. I think this transition started back when the internet started to take over. As we started to gain more access to information, our dealers started putting inventory online. Our customers had more ability to research and they started to identify, I would like to have this particular option over that particular option. And it was easy for our dealers to search that inventory online. So I think that kind of started the process of instead of selling what was in stock, we had the opportunity to dealer trade for a unit. And so we could meet the customer's uh, demands exactly rather than having to sell something that maybe didn't fit exactly like they wanted. Yeah, I love the way that Adam took it back a ways to to the you know technology play there. And then you know you fast forward to just a few years ago, and and wow, who would have thought that a pandemic and a chip crisis and supply chain issues and and away we go with an inventory shortage that everything everybody got was selling like hotcakes, right? With all those things happening, it, it became a real just here's the car, take it or leave it. Right. Glennis, yeah, I'm interested to hear your perspective. I agree with both um, Scott and Adam. And, you know, we did see a ramp up in 2020 when the pandemic hit, dealerships closed, you know, and then stimulus checks started. People were locked in their homes. They had additional money that they wanted to spend, right? So it changed their behavior. But then we also had the inventory issues. So I, for one, purchased a car in 2020. What I went to purchase was not available, right? I had selected inventory to choose from. You know, 2020 has definitely changed the direction of our industry significantly. Yes, things certainly got very different very quickly. Now, let me ask you this, as far as the trend, are you seeing this across both the sales and F&I side of things? Are you seeing any differences between departments within these dealerships? I don't see that in the F&I department. And I think the reason is because of just the the nature of a car deal and what you're dealing with. People need a car to drive back and forth to work and do their thing. They They don't necessarily have to have a service contract to make that happen. So if they're already in a situation where the budget's high and they've already spent more 
more than they were planning on spending. They already bought a car that they didn't anticipate buying. They wanted to buy a different model. You just can't see order taking happening inside the F&I office. You have to be able to build value because ultimately what our F&I managers are selling to the customer is a promise written on a piece of paper. So you have to get your selling shoes on to make a customer feel comfortable in making that type of investment, again, into a promise that, that they put on a piece of paper. They can't drive it to work. They can't do anything with it except for rely it on in a time of need. And uh, if they don't see that need, if they don't believe that they could be exposed to these types of failures, they won't buy the product. And so in the F&I office, I don't know that we'll ever see it transition to an order taker mentality and have any level of success. Yeah, I really like this question. I was interested to see what the panel would say on it because I kind of go both ways. And I'll, I'll explain that. For me, it's kind of a flip-flop. Um, if you look at F&I back a few years ago, and we're a transactional-based company. So we do well when there's more cars sold and we have more at-bats to sell more products and services you know, to those consumers, right? And I would have thought, wow, you know, we would be in a direct correlation a few years ago when we had the inventory shortage and car sales were, were down. And lo and behold, PPRU, which is products per retail unit, were way up. Now what F&I is seeing though, I'm with Adam, I don't think they're order takers, but they're having a hard time because of the affordability problem now. Payments, the interest rates are up. And now you try to add products and services onto that and it gets into a payment problem. So that's the flip-flop with F&I with sales as we just discussed why they went that route. Now the salespeople though are having to really, really sell because of the things we just mentioned, right? With the affordability, inventory is coming back a little bit. People do have some options and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I think sales is flipping more to now. We have to get them back to the basics. Excellent. Thank you for that. Glennis, what are you seeing in terms of how training can maybe help make a difference here? One, I agree with everything that, that Adam and Scott both have said, you know, from 2020 to 2021, we went from the mentality of I need a vehicle to I want a vehicle. And how can I afford it? For those two years, those three years, everyone in our sales platform turned to order takers. The consumer had the money. So let's just get them what they need. Now, the consumers don't have that money. The inflation of the cost of the vehicles have gone up. And so now it's become a have to again. From a training perspective, I believe that, that we're seeing many of our dealers who are, are being able to identify we need to get back to the basics. And that's teaching our sales team how to, one, identify what their budget is, two, identifying what the vehicle is. Because for the last three years, they had the additional income, right? So they were able to purchase something that they might not have necessarily purchased. And so our sales team has to get back to being able to identify all those needs prior to setting that customer on a unit. Training is definitely 100% needed in all dealerships today. You've heard every objection in the book when selling a VSC. Just like Goldilocks and her porridge, your customers want that perfect fit. How can a perfect fit for them increase your dealership's bottom line by up to $1,800 per month? It's simple. With EFG's MAP, you can create a completely custom plan tailored exactly to the driving habits and budget of your customers. It's so easy to sell with condensed coverage levels, expanded surcharges and deductibles, and terms in 2,500 mile increments. Give your customers exactly what they want to increase customer satisfaction and product penetration. Sign up for MAP today and prepare to take your F&I profitability to the next level. Go to efgcompanies.com for more details. Awesome. Thank you, Glennis. 
I wanted to take a minute and talk a little bit more about employee retention. We've talked about the need to really inject some change back into these processes. So what are your expectations in terms of dealership employees balking at changing in the ways that we've talked about? You know, focusing on things like F&I products, where ironically, a lot of the costs have gone up, not just interest rates and the price of the car, but right, the price of repairs, the price of labor. And those are the kind of things that products that EFG offers help protect people against. And Adam, what do you see when you're trying to introduce some change in these environments? Well, you know, the first thing you got to understand is what is the environment? What's happening in the store? What is the culture and what are you trying to make happen? Who are you trying to attract? What's the culture of your dealership? You know, I think that as we move back to selling, we're going to see some people who really lean into that and focus on making this something that they want to be good at. And there are going to be some people who go, you know what? I was just doing this until another tech tech job opened up anyway. I think that if you want to attract and retain people at your dealership, you should be having continuous conversations that have that employee viewing this as a career, not just a job. If you have employees who you want to retain or you want to attract new employees, I think you have to create a culture that says, hey, this is a great place to work. There's a upward moving career path. There is a place for you to grow. This is something you can do for the rest of your life and have a lot of success and joy doing it. But you have to create that culture and you have to have those types of conversations with your employees. At the same time, I think dealers also need to leverage what they're learning in their 20 groups. You know, where you're going to have a lot of conversation about, hey, I've got this sales manager who, because of the pandemic and the way things were working, has been making all this money. Now that we got to get back to value add selling, he's not so great at that. He's not so great at marketing. His paycheck's dwindling and he thinks it's my responsibility to fix that. What are you guys doing? Like these conversations are happening inside of dealerships right now today. Yeah, I think it really gets down to three or four things, Victor, with the employee side. And that is, if you get a good person, you need to train them. If you're well-trained and you provide them structure, people like structure, they want to be led. Give them the leadership, give them a career path. And career path is huge. We don't always lay out in automotive where they can go and what they can do. So if you do those four things, you know, those are the keys to retention. And then getting back to, are people going to balk at selling? Well, selling is an interesting word. When people buy a product or service, it's really not about the product or service. It's it's about trying to make a condition better. Probably look at it from the consumer side or the client side of the dealership. How do I like to be treated? How do I want the process to go? Well, if they're trying to educate me and make my life better and protect me and protect my investment, I'm all in. Selling shouldn't be about trying to convince anybody of anything. It should be about making life easier. Yeah, that's uh, that makes sense. Glennis, I wanted to ask you, dealerships are typically made up of a mix. You've got some veterans, right? You've got some folks that maybe are newer or just come into the business post-COVID even and really have no feel for what sort of things used to be like, if you will. How should dealerships address the newer versus the veterans? What do you think? I appreciate you asking that question. Our dealers are recognizing you have to invest in your number one customer, which is your employee. And if your employee is invested in and they sell well, then the dealership's going to do well. One of the things that we do after they do road to the sale training, we get together, we talk about the class who participated, who got involved, who volunteered information, not only from new employees, but also from the veterans, because 2020 did do a number on us. I mean, no one can deny that, right? Going from selling to being order takers. And it's a kind of a mind matter, if you will. It's been very positive this year to see the veterans participating and not feeling as though they're better than anyone else that's in the classroom and seeing those classrooms full. Our classes have been very successful. What I love is hearing from our account executives when they go out and I get a phone call that says, hey, we've never done training in the store and the employees are asking for training. What do we do? How do we approach that, right? 
right? And so having those conversations with our dealers and helping them to understand training is always a piece of the puzzle. That is very encouraging. To close this out, going forward, what do you recommend in terms of best practices to address some of these challenges we've talked about? Well, I think that if you want to know where you need to go, you need to first know where you're at. So what I would encourage any dealers out there, if you have any questions of what's going on with your dealer group and your store, why don't you have us out? We can do a business development assessment, spend a couple of days in your facility, map out all of your processes, help you identify profit leaks, and let you know from an outsider's perspective what the culture of your store looks like and what we can do to get you moving forward. Each store operates a little bit different, has a little bit of different culture, so hard to give just blanket advice on what you should do going forward other than just check your temperature, see where you're at right now, analyze those processes and procedures, use a third party just to keep your current guy honest, if nothing else, and see if there's another playbook out there you like. Great, Adam. Thank you for that. Well, Scott, from your perspective. Well, look, Victor, I think dealerships are some of the most complex businesses that are out there, right? They're running six, seven businesses in one, parts and service and F&I and used cars and new cars and body shops. And, and Adam's right. There's so many things to focus on and to keep track of, and you got to know where you're at and then to see where you're going. But let me just throw a few buckets out that are some of the areas that you know you really need to be focused on. EVs, it's all over automotive news. What's your process? I know digital retailing is a big lump sum, but what is your process with digital retailing? Can you meet somebody no matter where they are? And do you know the different steps there no matter what the consumer wants to do? It's interesting. I just I had to co-sign on a car, Victor, for my son who just got his master's degree, but he was in Mississippi. I'm in Kentucky and we found a car in Ohio. And you know, I, I tell this story because I'd never, I'd never gone all the way through like this. Now, of course, it takes the right banks and e-contracting, and but we didn't have to step a foot in the dealership. And the packets were sent electronically to me in Kentucky, to him in Mississippi. All we had to do was go pick up the car and have them go through it and tell us about all the technology that's in it, right? And, and, right. and educate us. You know, can your dealership do that if need be? And also just getting back to, and I think Glenn is going to hit on this, just the overall education. As a consumer, I love to be educated. There's so much to vehicles now. There's so much technology. There's so many needs that I may have that a good salesperson or good F&I person can fit those needs with the right products at the right time. And it's a beautiful process when that happens. I'll turn that over to Glennis, let her wrap it up for us. But um, those are my thoughts. So I think Adam and Scott hit it on the head, but I will tell you one, getting back to the basics, right? It comes down to processes, identifying what your training needs are. One of the things that I think that sales managers need to focus on is one-on-one coaching. So once we come in and we do a road to the cell training, spending time with your employees to make sure that they learned from the training that they participated in and then help to coach them through auditing what's happening in your store. You know, like Scott said, there's so many different departments in a dealership. There's so much opportunity to train in all of those areas. Training is everything. If you train your people the way that you want your dealership run, then it's going to be successful. If you don't care about your your employees, you get what you get. Fair enough. Kind of like life, right? (laughs) Well said. Well, I'd like to thank all three of you for your time and and your information. This was a great discussion. Thanks for listening to our show. If you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to F&I Talk Outside the Box. If you want to get in touch with us to let us know how we impacted your business, don't hesitate to email us at trainingservices at efgusa.com. We'd love to hear from you. and EFG Production.